This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Games. Isn't that for the people that are escaping reality, right? Someone who goes home and plays a video game for a few hours or watches sports or, you know, gets involved in Candy Crush or Angry Birds. Isn't games ways to leave the world and to shirk responsibility? Or is it the opposite? Is games ways to increase productivity, to become more successful, to do things that were otherwise impossible? This next guest is an expert on gamification, especially as it applies to the workplace. He's going to talk about how you can use games and the theory behind games to make your life more successful, your company more successful, and everything that you do more productive. You don't want to miss this. Delving into current events. To uncover relevant wisdom. Uncover relevant wisdom. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. He's the CEO and founder of Enterprise Gamification Consultancy. It is a consulting company that goes around and shows companies how through concepts like gamification, um, having fun, motivation theory, psychology, neuropsychology, and behaviorism, you can actually grow your company and your productivity to the next level. He was a senior innovation strategist at, at SAP Labs in Palo Alto, California, and the global head of gamification initiative at SAP, where he worked for 15 years. In 2013, he also co-founded and leads the Innovation Europe Center Silicon Valley, that connects European startups and companies with Silicon Valley. Mario, thank you so much for taking the time and welcome to the show. Thank you, Charlie, for having me. It's an honor to have you on and I love what you talk about, but just for the audience, can you give us sort of a, 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 one, a couple of sentences on what is gamification theory? So gamification, I just came up with a new definition for that. This is when video games and uh, business had a baby. So you take the best of your, I love you take, that. You take the best what you have from business and from games, put it together. Business typically or work is often not really fun or boring for many, many people. Uh, on the other hand, we have video games or games in general that are fun, entertaining, and can engage people for a really long time. And actually, they do much harder work at video games. So what about taking those elements that make games so uh, interesting and engaging and put it on work and make work more fun? And that's what we are doing, what, what gamification is. Interesting. So gamification really is the idea of, like you said, making work fun. So how do you do that? I mean, work is work and fun is fun. So when you drill it down to, you know, someone saying, okay, that, that sounds wonderful, but I love playing Candy Crush and I hate sitting at my desk. <laughs> what are some of the ways that you sort of walk in and think through how to make things more fun? Yeah. So when, when you look actually at games and, and at work, you see that there are a lot of similar elements that we have. Uh, but on the one side, it's, it's fun for games. And on the other hand, it's boring uh, at work. So, so you have to do a lot of these little tasks or there are rules or there are obstacles or there are goals that you have to achieve or there's leveling up 
promotions, so to speak, that you have. But in a game, it's always fun. Uh, and somewhere else, at work or in life, it's not that fun. And what are those things? You know? so, so when you think of, of tasks, what is the task that you have at playing golf? That's nothing else than putting a ball in a hole, right? But, but that would, would not be a fun game. So what they do is they add obstacles and rules and tell you, you can only do that with a stick, uh, a club, as we call it. And we put rocks and <clears throat> trees and uh, other obstacles in between. And suddenly this game is fun. Uh, think of work where you do kind of always the same kind of things. And uh, it's, it's not really fun. Candy Crush, Angry Birds, when you look at that, when you look at me playing this game, you see only always only the same kind of movements. I move my finger from left to right, from left to right, from left to right. That looks boring from your perspective, but from my perspective, it's fun. So there are game design elements. There are probably around 200 design elements that you can take and combine them in ways and apply them and help you help the players, the users, the employees, and we call them them players, to reach their goals, to reach their interests and motivations that they have, and indirectly reach goals that are benefiting every stakeholder, the company, the clients, my coworkers, and so on. Interesting. So by just putting in, and as you're saying it, it's, it, it makes a lot of sense, which is by just making what I do fit into the already known principles of what makes games fun. Cause like you said, games aren't fun in themselves. I mean, what's so fun about, you know, connecting dots or, you know, it's interesting, even, even, even as I'm hearing you say it, my son showed me this game the other day about like, it was like an English game. Well, like you had to find word connections and you had to finish sentences and you had to ma- do math. And he, meanwhile, the same kid who's like, you know, complaining about doing homework is like in the car, like addicted to this game on the exact same stuff. But this time, like there were some things that blew up and he got to have levels and boards and he, and that, that was the only thing that really shifted from the substance. But once it's put into sort of a game concept, now it becomes more fun. Right, right. The, the, the way, the way it is he done is it gives you challenges. Yeah. So you have the feeling that you're learning. Learning is actually fun. When we look at schools, they take basically out the fun. And what we, what, what we want to do is we want to show that we master something that is motivating for us. These are these, these intrinsic motivators that we have. We are um, belonging to, we can do stuff with others, uh, others that are, have the same interests like, like we have. And that is what with the word puzzle comes in, what comes in with games. Uh, and if we can take this kind of uh, thing that makes games so interesting and put it at work or in school, we turn them more game-like and keep these kids and people engaged. So what I'm hearing you say, and this is something that's really important, is that people want to feel mastery. They want to feel like my activities have a purpose. Is that right? Like I didn't just do something for nothing. Even if I did something that was you know, an action that was seemingly meaningless, like connecting two dots, or I play this game with my kids where it's called subway surf, where the ki- my kids love it, where you're basically just sort of like avoiding trains. But even if in this ridiculous game, I feel like I'm getting better at it, the feeling of getting better at something is what makes it fun. Is that what you're saying? That, that is exactly right. So this, this is also something that uh, studies have shown or Shikshan uh, Mishaili, Mishaili, a researcher on behaviors, has, has shown. He, he came up with the flow theory. So he had interviewed 
scientists, Nobel laureates, uh, Pulitzer Prize winners, poets, uh, artists, uh, on what makes them creative. And they all mentioned this kind of state of flow where they are in, where they are being creative, where they lose the feeling for time. Yeah, you, you know that when you play a game, often it happens that you look on the clock three hours later and say, wait a second, I played three hours. I just started five minutes ago, right? Right. Uh, and, and this is what he calls the flow zone, the flow principle. So this means when your skills, the skill level that you have and the difficulty of the task are in a balance, then you are in the flow zone. A game typically increases over time the difficulty levels uh, because you learn more, you become better in playing the game. Yeah. So if uh, often in, 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 in the world, in the real world, you know, we are confronted with uh, systems or with processes or tasks that are beyond our skills, our capabilities. So we become frustrated because we, we feel stupid. Yeah? Kids do that. They feel stupid when they have to do a difficult task. That, that's why they become, uh, you know, throw tantrums and this kind of stuff, and we have to help them. Uh, or when, on the other hand, when the task is too easy, remains too easy, then it becomes boring. Just think of, uh, to give you an example, just think of angry birds. You don't start angry birds with uh, five different types of birds and complex structures. You start with one type of bird because at the beginning you don't know anything about the game. You have to figure out first, how does it work? Oh, I slingshot that bird. Oh, I shot it in the wrong direction or I didn't put it in the right angle. Yeah? Uh, but once you master that and understand that, suddenly at the second, third, fourth level, you get a new bird, a blue bird. And this one has different capabilities. It means it increased the complexity, the, the, the difficulty of that game. And every game onboards you like that and keeps you for a long time in this flow zone. And that is a principle that we try to embed, implement in uh, work and tasks that have such learning paths in there. Interesting. And that... I guess what you're, what you're what you're getting at here is that in order to match, and this is the the work in which you're 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 quoting that gets you to flow. In order to match that feeling of I'm growing, but I'm I'm capable, you almost have to balance the way you know games do. The you can do this, and you can push yourself. And when you Correct. when you live in a world Correct. like school or in a world like work where it's not really dynamic, right? It's this yeah. is the curriculum or this is the job. So do it. And if you're good at it, then you'll do it quicker and you'll just be bored. And if you're not good at it, then you'll just fail and get a D next to your name and we'll tell you that you're, you're dumb. But the way that it becomes fun is when you can almost self-navigate yourself through the information. Yes, so you become information is an important point. Yeah, you become more self confident. Yeah, typically you're missing a lot of information uh, in real life, at work, in school, in games. Games always give you information. Uh, so even if you don't know how to get to level seventy uh, right now, yeah, you are sure that you will be able to learn that over the time. Yeah, the same is not true in the world. Yeah, you don't know how you can become a vice president. There's no way uh, that it is described like sell 10 million licenses and then they become a vice president. You know, it's not based on meritocracy like in a game or I can, can learn it in an easy way. Mm. Uh, so so that, that's when I just, just think of uh, school. Yeah? When you go to school, you have kind of a 
you know, you know, you have an exam maybe at the end of the semester. Yeah. And then uh, you still, for many months, you just don't know where you're standing. Yeah. What's your final grade? Now, that would be if you do something like this, that it only uh, resulting in an end battle if you figure out that you're actually getting up to certain levels. Uh, a game would not be really that much interesting. But if you go ahead and say, and some schools are doing that, some professors are doing that, and some solutions are doing the following, they tell you at the beginning, so first hour in the class, uh, you all have an F. Yeah, And of course, the students who are A students say, hey, wait a second, uh, that cannot be. I'm an A student. I don't have an F. Yeah? Uh, but the professor says, no, no, you haven't done anything yet. Yeah? We haven't done anything accomplished so far in this, in this class. But here's a way to level up from F to E, from E to D, from D to C, by doing uh, homework, by doing this project, by doing this presentation, by taking this exam. Uh, and, slow, and with each of those tasks, you are earning experience points. And give them a certain number of experience points, it means it levels you up to the next grade. And that means after five weeks, I already know, well, I have at least a D. Yeah. So when I do these exercises and those exercises, I come to a C. And that gives uh, the learners more control about their path and their fate and their final grade, basically. Interesting. And here you see much more interaction because I have this information already. I know how am I doing. And you can apply the same at work by doing things like that. Nowadays, when you just look at how work is working, yeah, uh, you don't know how well you performed in a project, only learn about and you only learn about it uh, at the performance review, yeah, which is nine months later. That's like learning only three months later that you killed the pigs and angry birds. That's not a fun game. And then you don't have a chance to learn about that. What have you done? that made you successful or not. But uh, by giving you right away this information, you will also change at work the way we do performance review, the, the way we do uh, HR processes. Because I already know how well I'm doing. I don't need a review of my performance. I have the numbers. Here it is. The performance review turns into a performance coaching. What could I do now? In what direction should I go? What are my next options to move on and become uh, an even better employee? So that's that's a great point that you bring up is the concept of feedback. Um, you know, in, in, in the world of games and in the world, uh, maybe even in, in, in school, you can have a situation where it's there's a set amount of things to do and it's very easy to determine when whether you're achieving it or not i know one of the things that i, I think i saw this in your name which is the 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 concept of meritocracy or or kissupocracy i think right that's your term kissupocracy <laughs> yes, i yes. love that term right because that term is and i am a i'm a professor i teach it i teach it entrepreneurship and i can tell you that it's true where like the students that do nothing all year like at the end of the year you start getting like oh by the way you were this is the best class ever and you changed my life and i think you know my grandmother and i think we we knew each other in a previous life just some way that they can somehow <laughs> sidle up and tell me that like you know it's going to be harder for you know just to kiss up and in in the in, right. in a vacuum where there is no sort of structured feedback, people are just doing whatever it takes. But how do you, as a business, you know, and and maybe the answer is to be more creative. But how does a business t- go from what is sort of a very structured approach? Either you kill the, the the things or not. Either you jump the trains or not. Either you know how to answer question fifteen or you don't, which is more clear. 
to things that are less clear, like do you know how to you know deal with adversity? Did you know how to uh, nail the client? Did you know how to add value in the presentation that takes place in every single day of work? How does a, 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 a an environment like work, which is more you know dynamic, which is more unpredictable? take these core values and make them something that you can give feedback for more often? Yeah. So, so that is a good question. And, um, you know, one of these criticisms that always comes from work is, well, the, the real world is more complicated than, than, than the game. Yeah. Uh, which is of course an, an easy excuse, uh, to, to, uh, you know, not do anything. Uh, the fact is that at work, we do a miserable job of really tracking, data on employees. Uh, and I mean that in a positive way. We don't really know who is doing things how well uh, and how can we help them to become better. We have certain professions such as salespeople or support center agents where we have a lot of hard data, but not for other people, not for other employees. And that makes uh, work, uh, the job life, corporate life, really unfair for a lot of people because uh, feedback and evaluations are based on, you know, what people say, opinions, and they're not fact-based. Um, many people at work, also the criticism that I hear is, uh, well, it's difficult that you can't all measure that stuff. But on the other hand, we spend billions of dollars to make things measurable, and then we just give up here at the most important thing where it's about people uh, and and getting the right uh, keeping the right resources and not making you know gut decisions uh, so one of the things is of course figuring out how can I make things more measurable and more transparent even in a flexible environment or empower people that they have uh, an opportunity to 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 see that where they are and collaborate and see where the others are. In in complex video games such as World of Warcraft, uh, you have player stats. These 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 uh, uh, games have actually more data on their players than billion dollar companies have on their employees. Wow! When you look at performance review data, yeah, in an HR process, that's that's ridiculous. Yeah, that are opinions, uh, and opinions are not facts. Opinions are opinions. Uh, in games, you have this stat sheet, and not only that, you have in a like a team when when a guild battles a boss, you have fifty people, fifty players at the same time. You see the stats of every other player there, everyone taking the role, and you know exactly. Oh, we need to pull that player uh, because it's becoming too weak. Take him out, give him some rest, so that we can perform. Because if we lose him, we are all together weakened. Um, in a in a team. I don't know that. I do not know how my neighbor is doing, how my, my colleague is doing. And if they need help, if I can jump in, because this data is just not there. Or if it is, if it's well there, it is probably also not transparent. I can't see that. So interesting as you say it. As I'm hearing you say it, it's so true. Um, and I think it's counterintuitive. I think a boss feels like if I give feedback to my employees all the time, I got to keep on having difficult conversations. And the employee feels like, can you please tell me what I'm doing right and wrong? And it's almost as if like they're hiding behind the, 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 
the desire to not make them feel bad, to not yes. give negative information, to try to be everyone to be like, you know, you know, a, a collegial with each other. But at the end of the day, they're only hurting that employee because the employee saying, hey, listen, the worst thing I can get is a like you said, a, a review at the end of the year saying, oh, by the way, remember six months ago? Yeah, you yes. messed up. Sorry. And, you know, Johnson doesn't like you. So you don't have a future. Um, which is exactly, I guess the problem. And and the point is really well taken where if you're running a business, if you're listening to this and you're running a business and you're going out there trying to track and understand your, your customers, you got to spend at least the exact, the same amount of effort on your own employees. Let me talk a little bit about feedback because I think this is an important aspect. Yeah. The game gives you feedback in different ways. It gives you feedback through audio. You hear sounds, yeah. Uh, cheering up. Angry birds that cheer you up, yeah. Pigs that trash talk you when you lost, they are sitting there and running, ha, 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 laughing you, laughing at you. Basically, you have visual feedback. You see things exploding, crumbling, beautiful things happening there. You have, if you have a force feedback controller or a phone that rattles, yeah, then you have sensory feedback in there. And then, of course, you have this this data like points and stars and, and and other things that are coming in there. Now, think at work. When was it that you heard the last time a thank you from a colleague? You probably have most of the people that ask that at a presentation or at a talk, yeah? They have to think hard, yeah? Only one or two always have, oh, yeah, yesterday somebody said that. And that's in the afternoon of the next day already, yeah? So we have not institutionalized the proper feedback loop. Now, feedback is not easy. There are at least three types of feedback. One feedback is the appreciative feedback, like you 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 worked over the weekend in order to uh, you know prepare this report, and then you want to hear something like, "Good, I really appreciate that you came over the over into the weekend and, and did that for us. That's really great." But then there's the coaching feedback. The coaching feedback basically helps you to um, uh, is, is thought to help you to. Uh, become better or what direction you should go. And then there is the evaluative feedback where you say, well, uh, you could have done it better because we have we expected this and, and, and those. And while you think you may give feedback, you may be actually not giving the right feedback. If you tell somebody, give somebody an evaluative feedback that the report is not looking good, yeah, it could have been better, and this guy worked over the weekend, you basically demoralize, demoralize this guy. Yeah. So, so many managers just don't have an idea of what proper feedback giving is and the sensory or the empathy to figure out what the feedback is that the employee right now needs. And games basically keep that in a balance. They give you all the time the same, uh, they, they give you a good balance of all three types of feedback in, in different forms of sensory from audio visual uh, feelings that you have. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, I, I think, yeah, that's exactly right. I think the, the feedback is what you saying earlier is sort of leading into your mastery. It's funny as you're talking, I'm, I'm drawing a little bit of a diagram. I wanted to sort of share with you, which is I, I'm hearing the following and tell me if I'm missing it is that feedback challenges structure is what gives you the feeling of mastery and growth. What gives mm-hmm. you the feeling of purpose which is what really people look for in terms of fun. Yes, yes. So purpose is also a good one. Then, then, there, are t- then there are more motivational factors, yeah? Uh, so, so we talk here about game design elements or factors that motivate people and interest or, or hook people. Uh, some of them are that I feel autonomy, that I'm not being mm. told the exact way of how I have to do that, yeah? Uh, like this micromanagement kind of thing. Uh, but that I have, you know, I get this message. Here's the purpose, yeah? 
uh, and 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 how we get there, it's up to you. So th- just think of think of it. Uh, I could tell you take this lock and put this lock on the other, put a nail in there. Yeah. Uh, the other option is I could tell you build a ship. Yeah. Uh, and the third one is I tell you what's on the other side of the ocean, uh, and this is a fantastic world. Uh, and then the guys will find a way to get there. And this may be a ship. This may be a different way. This is autonomy, basically. Now, there are other things in there, like uh, for many people, very important is socializing, that they can do it with others, that they have an excuse to be with others, to reach out with others, socializing. So we are social animals. Mm-hmm. And that is another important factor here. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And, and the idea that someone trusts in you to put you on the team or to give you their task only allows you to be the best that you can be. Here's, here's one, trust, good, good one. Trust also means you're allowed to fail. I trust you that you do it and do your best even if you fail. Uh, and fail failure is, is very important. What are games? Games are basically nothing else than successions of failures. Uh-huh. So very you cool. Die, you lose, you, you crash, you, you do not make the level, but you try again. Yeah? Uh, and that, that, is, that is what a game does. Uh, the funny thing is that we have today this helicopter parenting thing yeah, where the parents are hovering over the children, not letting them basically out of their sight, uh, always being supervised, uh, trying to prevent them from failures uh, and so on. But on the other hand, the kids, these are the same kids that are playing the most. When they are turning 20, 21, they have played 10,000 hours of video games. So they are craving actually for these kind of experiences of failure that they know, okay, uh, if I need to, if I want to learn walking, Walking is nothing else at the beginning than a series of falls and bumps and wow. hitting my head. Yeah, but we know exactly they have to do that uh, in order to learn walking and learn their capabilities. At work, we don't allow them to fail. Uh, if you fail once, yeah, it's okay. If you fail twice, you're out. Yeah, uh, in games, you're constantly failing. Players are even bragging about their most spectacular failures. Like, wow, did you see of how I crashed my car? Have you ever heard that at work that somebody said, wow, I just sank a $1 million project? Yeah. <laughs> uh, nobody would say that. Yeah? Right. But this is so important because you learn. And if you learn something and can go on and take these learnings and put it in the next project and avoid these things, that pays off there. Right. And that, and that I think, presupposes that you're in an environment where – you're trying to learn something and the failure is taking you towards learning versus an environment where the, you're not given an option even to learn. You're just trying to do a task for as exactly. cheaply as humanly possible. And yeah. failure is the detour. Um, and this really, it seems like gamification really is sort of the, the, the path back to the real confidence of self, right? And we know intuitively that if I'm going to do something great, I'm going to have to fail. And as long as we're given the environment to do so, then we're happy to fail. Like you said, we're happy to you know try and try and try again, as long as the environment doesn't say, okay, now that you failed, I'm pulling your autonomy or I'm pulling your opportunity because that means that you're not good enough. You know, what's amazing is that I'm in, without even realizing it, I am part of gamification, meaning I'm looking at my Delta app 
and I'm watching my frequent flyer mile program increase. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, looking at my LinkedIn profile and watching them telling me like, you're almost there and someone's checking you out. Everywhere we look, it seems as if people are using these like game type features to sort of get me to do more stuff. Correct. Yeah. So, so actually you, good gamification, you don't notice that. Yeah. For example, uh, loyalty programs, you mentioned that is, is one of the things is a very simple uh, models of gamification but but did you know that linkedin is a heavily gamified system because what, what what it does what it does is it nudges you into sharing more information about yourself yeah so just just remember the first time you logged in and created your profile uh, and filled out the information and you were not sure how much you should put in there and then you saw this progress bar on the side that said 40% of your profile is complete. Yeah. And it's like, oh man, how can I get this to 100%? And then you added more information to see this progress bar going up. Yeah. Mm. It's such a stupid little thing going up there. And there are tons of these additional elements in there that encourage you to share more updates, to update your profile, to comment on others, to write a blog, etc. The same with Amazon. Amazon, the, the shopping website, uh, when you go in there and uh, you Look for a book, search for a book, and you find this book, and then it says, only three items left in stock. Then you say, if I'm not buying that right now, somebody else will get my book, yeah? And I won't have one, or I have to wait longer, yeah? <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous, but that is how, how it works. People become kind of irrational. I mean, people are irrational, but here and they're going and, and buying that fast or writing reviews. And we see that with a lot of systems, Think of any system that hooks you where you are in in the system. Think of Pinterest. Yeah, uh, Pinterest is, uh, uses a lot of other game des- design elements in there that that make it so addictive. And and Facebook uh, and and then other systems. Uh, we don't w- want to start here. Yeah, um, and and they are applying that very well, and you don't even notice that you're right. being gamified and it's what's funny is that we can do all of that in our lives meaning my wife is trying to get my kid to go to bed on time and she knows that all i gotta really do is make a chart put it on top of his bed give him a Mm -hmm. check and somehow this kid who can never get into bed is jumping into bed because he's almost there um we do this and i think what's what's really powerful about this interview with you is that each and every one of us need to realize that what we do intuitively can really be brought bigger into our lives. We can think about right. it. We can come up with new ways and not just sort of say, okay, that's cool for like, you know, recreation, but to bring it in. I want, I want to jump into an area that you mentioned just now in LinkedIn. I remember reading a research study about how people are, um, they are neuro, almost neurologically programmed to do things in which they almost think they win. How when you go to like, you know, casinos, they always have it that you always win. When you, when you buy the scratch off lotteries, you always got two cherries and you need three for like, you know, a million dollars a day for the rest of your life. And is that sort of how it works? Meaning are, are these programs, are these, um, uh, gamification ideas, are they, sort of letting us feel like we're almost there, which almost gives us a, meta, a, a motivation to get there. Yes. So, so we're talking here about uh, uh, those, those uh, motivators that you mentioned, like extrinsic motivators. So I promise you a reward for doing something. And this study that you mentioned, uh, what it says basically, uh, you are, uh, your body releases dopamine, which is, basically the thing that kind of from our pleasure center makes us feel good about that. Um, and if you are 
getting a reward, you feel good about that. So dopamine is released. Uh, that changes over the age, actually. Yeah? So for kids, uh, any reward is fine. Yeah? They have full dopamine rush. Yeah? For teenagers uh, or for these adolescents, uh, it's, it changes a little bit insofar as they need to have a much higher reward or thrill in order to get the same dopamine released. Uh, that's why kids in their 20s, 21, 22, are doing all these stupid things like jumping off a, a roof into the swimming pool or riding a shopping cart down a hill. Uh, and, and that's why they make jackass for, the, for those kind of, of audiences. Yeah, That's why they often, they may be rational uh, and realize that's dangerous, but they need this thrill somehow. Right. Adults are then again more like uh, the the dopamine rushes according to the reward that you get. Now you have to be careful also with extrinsic rewards. Extrinsic rewards, like promising you a bonus or promising you ice cream, uh, uh, something that comes from outside, may interfere with the interest. So if you promise a child, let's say an eight-year-old boy, to read a book. To get the, the, the boy interested in reading, yeah, uh, and you promise the boy uh, baseball cards, yeah, for every book that he reads, uh, he gets a baseball card. What will happen? What types of books will he read? The thinnest ones with the uh, largest fonts, of course. And uh-huh. if you query him afterwards, uh, he may not even remember the story or not be able to accurately tell it. And when you stop handing out baseball cards, you, what will happen then? the boy will stop reading, yeah? So so you achieved actually the opposite of what you wanted to have. You wanted to get him interested in reading, but what you did is you made him interested in getting baseball cards. So you have to be careful. That's, that's not only with, with children, it's with animals, the same. It's with adults. Uh, so if you give extrinsic rewards, put them out there as a carrot, uh, then we come into a situation like, uh, you know, the financial crisis 2008, because the extrinsic reward was oversized bonuses for the bankers but we should cater towards these intrinsic rewards intrinsic motivators and we mentioned that already the social thing the 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 learning the mastery uh, also this this higher purpose this epic meaning what is a banker doing a banker is actually here to provide liquidity for companies or to to take liquidity from from people to invest that properly. So this is the higher purpose. Yeah, keep the economy flowing. But in 2008, what they did is the exact opposite. Yeah, they killed the economy. They killed everyone, basically, financially, from a financial point of view. Uh, and that's where we have to be careful of how we use extrinsic and intrinsic rewards. Mm-hmm. If you're just focusing on extrinsic rewards, uh, you, you kill intrinsic rewards. But if you use extrinsic rewards as a tracking tool for how well you're achieving intrinsic re- uh, rewards, then it's okay. Then this is what we uh-huh. should do. So it's that balance of intrinsic and extrinsic that actually makes the game right, right. much more fun. Let me ask you, I know that uh, your time is so valuable. I one more question. I know that, that, uh, that uh, I really appreciate you being here. I want to talk a little bit about culture. Um, there's a whole discussion and a debate out there in the business world today between, you know, how workers work. Is it virtual? Is there a culture that matters? And I, and I noticed in one of your talks, in your TEDx talks, which I enjoyed, you speak about the idea of that kid. You, it's a great story you told over a study in which somebody took a child and said to him, stand still. And the kid lasted probably like, you know, two, three, four minutes. They're, they're kids. And then he said, okay, you're a soldier. You're, you're guarding a, a prison or something. And the kid in that moment played this role of guard and was able to last, I think, 11 minutes. 
And yep. you, you, you showed to the audience the idea that nothing changed in the kid. The kid didn't go to, you know, to, didn't go to the gym and worked out. He didn't take meditation classes. He's the same kid. What it changed was, was his way he saw himself. And we see this all the time. Every parent knows when you first bring the kid home from the hospital, you have no idea what to do. And only because you see yourself as a parent now do you become the person that you didn't think possible before that kid was home. What, what kind of role does culture play in, in an environment when the culture is, we're going to win when the culture is strong. Does that, do you see that in your experience in, 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 in what you do with companies and how companies grow that the culture actually has a, almost a gamification feel. It, 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 it gives people the roles, if you will, that take them to a place where they couldn't have gone before, or, or does that not have that connection? The, this example, um, of the child. Let's let's start with this example of the child to to move over then to the work environment. Yeah, uh, this was Lev Vygotsky, who was a Soviet psychologist in the 1930s, who 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 did these experiments with children by by giving them basically one additional sentence and uh, enabling them, empowering them through fantasy, through imagination, to move into a role, uh, in this case of the, the, prisoner, the prison guard, uh, to play this role and, and simulate that and, and stand still for much longer time. The same, so, so what you do here is you basically give them and teach them executive functions. So kids uh, at the beginning, they have not really control over themselves and and we called it discipline kind of in the past yeah but what you do is executive function so that they can keep the temperament in check and empower them more control situations give them a way of dealing with rejection with disappointments with situations and so on um at work uh, the same thing happens so when you i'm in the silicon valley and we are talking here a lot about creativity and innovation and creativity and innovation are skills that you can learn. Basically, executive functions for, for adults. So there's a study out there that, that talks about giving people a brick or an old tire and coming up with alternative uses. So the interesting thing here was that those people being told just one additional sentence, like a child was told one additional sentence, uh, those people were told one sentence in addition, and that was, imagine yourself, you're a seven-year-old child at this moment, you have a day off, and you have this break. What will you do with it? Those people primed with that one sentence came up with twice as many ideas. Oh, wow. Uh, so this is this, this kind of, uh, again, fantasy role kind of thing that you're limiting yourself and not giving you the liberty, uh, especially as an adult, to to come up with silly things, with stupid things, or things that sound stupid at the beginning. But but uh, a game helps you with that because it allows you to enter this playful mode where you can be silly uh, and not being retaliated. Uh, and how important it is, you will see when you just think of some Silicon Valley success stories. Imagine yourself, 10 years ago, you had a million dollars to invest yeah, in, a, in a promising startup. And somebody comes to you and says, hey, hey, Charlie, I have this great idea of this platform where people can send each other 140 characters. Wouldn't you like to, to spend a million dollars in that? <laughs> and you would have said, what a stupid idea is that? Yeah, We, of course, know this story today. Uh, it's uh, Twitter. And it's a multi-billion dollar company. 
so here in this case, we did not allow ourselves to think outside that thing because we limited ourselves to what we thought is appropriate at work or in our adult life. And that prevented us from being more creative or innovative or see something else. Games uh, give you this little narrative often, yeah, kill the pigs, yeah, because they stole the eggs, and suddenly you, you get into this mode. Or when you do something like uh, call center agents, uh, and they have to close tickets and be on the phone with the people, and you put these numbers behind a ship, a pirate ship that's moving from a harbor to treasure island, uh, and every closed ticket, every completed call moves the ship a little bit, is basically represented through the wind blowing through the sails, uh, you will suddenly see people being engaged, coming with pirate gear into the work, uh, just in order to get that stupid paper ship on the wall, touts the treasure island, rather than have a pirate party in the evening. Uh, Amazing. And these are the things that allow us to, to really engage people and do more than they normally would. I love what you did. And I lo- that's a, such a great way to end. I think if people sort of realized how little it takes to get people excited if they just focused on them and built them mm-hmm. and, and let them feel good and that they're growing. I think it'd be a, a really um, a really big change in business and in life. Mario, how do people find you if they want to find more? I know that you've got a book on it on Amazon, Enterprise Gamification. How else can I can can people get to you? Yes, so I have, a, of course, a website, enterprise-gamification.com. Uh, mm-hmm. I have not only one book, I have seven books. Oh, so wow, seven. Seven books, yes. So God I have you. published seven books in the last, uh, two years on gamification. The main book you mentioned already, Enterprise Gamification, there are m- more books with specific examples on banking, on sales and support, on uh, fitness and health. Uh, this, is an, this is an interesting area uh, and, and an exploding area really in, in the number of applications where gamification is used in how to use it for communities, online communities or innovation management uh, and in human resources. I also have, uh, we also have a large wiki, a gamification wiki with now over 1700 articles where we have like four or 500 examples of how gamification is used in a lot of business scenarios. We have like 80 or 90 categories that we tagged in there. There are technologies that can help you with uh, that. And so if you're interested, just go on the website, you find all contact information, all resources, and also the links to materials. Uh, industry reports that we wrote about how to gamify sales and how to gamify everything else. Uh, so that's that's where you can go. Excellent. And that's enterprise slash gamification.com. Mario, thank you so much for taking the time. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. Thank you very much. It's not just about the facts. It's about perspective. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari.